Welcome back to the Final Whistle Podcast. Time you run! The boys are back. Just Fifey and Dale in the studio today. Trev's not in. He's got a hospital appointment, but wish him all the best in regards to that. Fifey, how are we, mate? Mate, I'm pumped. I'm excited. I can count on both hands how many days it is until we are back on the footy field for Junior Rugby League, mate. That's it. Ten days today to go. Fifey's been itching at the bit to get out there as all the Junior Rugby League kids too, so we can't wait, mate. We're nine days tomorrow, so we're down to single figures. Mate, I've been, I've been itching to go since... Um, April 1st. The day after <laughs> the day after COVID was uh, brought in, I think it was 18th of March. I think 17th of March was our, our last training day that we were allowed to have. So, yeah, no, mate, I've been itching since March. Um, what's going to happen with um, Junior Rugby League down in Victoria, mate? Yeah, so uh, obviously with that um, comes a uh, another six six week lockdown for them. So uh, New South Wales, oh, not New South Wales, NRL Victoria have released a, a statement this morning. Uh, D clubs and affiliates have rights. And we'll start off with yesterday. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews announced a return of restrictions. Many of us had hoped to never encounter again. These restrictions will have immediate impact on community sport in our state. However, we remain critical to combat the largest daily increase of COVID cases in Victoria since the start of the pandemic. Uh, We have said from the very start that nothing is more important than the health and safety of our participants, parents, volunteers, coaches and supporters, that we would always act on the best advice from the government and health authorities and this hasn't changed. In light of yesterday's announcement, NRL Victoria has the following updates. All competitions, training and community rugby league programs in Melbourne will be suspended until further notice. NRL Victoria will continue to communicate and provide assistance to clubs and volunteers impacted by the decision. NRL Victoria will continue to liaise with state and local governments and NRL Victoria will continue to work with regional clubs and leagues to determine how participation can continue within the current environment. <coughs> and then it goes on to obviously thank everyone who, um, with their patience and resilience through this time. And um, he also says that he's going to, um, the general manager, Brent Silva, will be attending a meeting with Sport and Recreation Victoria later on this week. And we'll commit to providing feedback regarding the future of participation in 2020 for Rugby League as soon as possible. Um, so, yeah, just to summarise that, he's, it says Melbourne in bold um, writing. So I dare say your country Rugby League, like your Banalas and, and your Bendigo and, and all those ones could possibly still go ahead. It's just... Um, it's just... The Melbourne suburb has been um, put back into lockdowns again, and and then yeah, the border to from Victoria to New South Wales is shut as well. So, <coughs> whether that affect whether that affects Albury and whether or not they play down in the Melbourne system or if they play up in the New South Wales or in the Victoria, I mean, in the, into and in whatnot, it does mean pardon me, it does mean that um, if there is no sport to be done over the next six weeks. Uh, their season would theoretically be finished because 
you wouldn't have anything back there again till the second week of August. And generally speaking, second week of August is when most competitions would start their final series. Look, Frankston obviously have been big <coughs> promoters of our page. They've been a part of the Junior Rugby League battle. They did hold one more one more session as well as a few of the other Victorian states um, Junior Rugby League clubs in in the Melbourne district. They did hold last minute eleven hour training sessions just to get the kids out and keep them fit until the lockdown came back in effective me- midnight last night and they they were surprised and, and um, blown away with the uh, the attendance of you know all their kids basically turned up to all their training sessions including the one last night before lockdown started again so you know we, we like to um, pass on our heartfelt I don't know sympathies, condolences to the kids of Victoria where it looks like no sport will, will go ahead um, this year down there because of the uh, second wave in Victoria, mate. Yeah, it's very disappointing for all the young fellas down there, but um, these are things that we've got to put into place to get through to, to, to get through to 2021 as well. So let's get through this. You know, it's going to be a tough six weeks. We just come out of six weeks for them to go, you know, six weeks and then two weeks out and then another six weeks. It'll be tough down there for them. But look at this. We've got to um, respect the health decisions and, you know, the numbers are alarming down there too. So we'll keep we'll keep moving forward in regards to that. But we hope that um, maybe they can do some sort of a competition. Don't see it happening. But, you know, we could always stay positive up here, can't we? We can always take a TFW 9s event down there. <laughs> catch COVID. <laughs> catch COVID a lot. Catch a lot more things than COVID down in Victoria, buddy. <laughs> it's like, well, it's not just junior rugby league, mate. You got the three, the three A League clubs in Melbourne that are that are stranded too. That they can't get through, and they didn't get through the border last night by midnight. So they're still down there. So what's that going to mean for the A League, and what's it going to mean for for them in general? I know we're a rugby league page, but I love me, I love me, me motorsport too. All the VA teams have made it up out, outside the border. Uh, I think uh, Tickford, WAU and uh, Erebus uh, trucks are stationed at um, at the at Eastern Creek here, just down the road from our house. Uh, you know, love it. Um, Kelly Racing basically had to, yeah, you know, pack their, their shit pretty quickly and they hightailed it to, um, to a family farm, the Kelly Brothers, uh, just on the other side of the uh, border, because at the time that they they got told they had to move, they were um, the cars were in pieces, mate. They were doing engine um, rebuilds and whatever else, and you know that they do in between meets, not really thinking that they had to get out. Um, so yeah, no, look, <coughs> it's a it's a real bad time in terms of all sports down in in uh, Victoria across. You know, you you look at it, you've got. Motorsport, you've got soccer, AFL, rugby union, union, uh, even the tennis. Like you know, kids do kids do go play tennis and basketball in the winter. You know, <coughs> at the end of the day, yes, we're rugby league. You know, um, sh- uh, podcast, but you got to feel for feel for the kids, I guess, in in terms of this. Yeah, without a doubt. Moving on to some rugby league, you got. Dave Fafida said he wasn't <laughs> said he wasn't signing with the Broncos, re-signing with the Broncos, however you want to call it. And then an hour later, he had a change of heart, so it's a DCE 2.0. 
Uh, your thoughts on this, mate? What's mate? What? I've been reading reports left, right, and centre. He wants to go into a short-term deal with the Titans and then a long-term deal with the Broncos. Mate, just look. He's come through the Broncos. <coughs> Every player that takes off and and gets a gets their first NRL contract should <coughs> aim to try and be a one-club player. If you're trying to chop and change, you're playing for the wrong reasons. Don't play for the money. <coughs> play for the love of the game. Yeah, the money's good. Yeah, you know, if you if you're a good talent, the money will be really good, and it sets you up for a life outside of rugby league afterwards. But everyone who gets that first kind of NRL contract outside of SG ball should be trying to be a one man club. Hundred percent. So we'll just jump straight into straight into the review of round eight, mate. What a round it was! What a round it was. So we'll start with Thursday night. The Melbourne Storm have produced a stunning comeback to down the Roosters in Golden Point at Suncorp Stadium. Trailing 22-12 with 12 minutes remaining, the Storm looked gone, but two tries in three minutes to Jerome Hughes and Paul Momorowski saw them hit the front 24-22. Roosters halfback Kyle Flanagan then landed a pressure penalty goal in the 79th minute to level the scores before his half partner Luke Keary slotted a field goal to make it 25-24. Remarkably, the Storm managed to get the ball back from the kickoff, and Orion um, Pappenhausen coolly slotted one pointer of his own to send the game to Golden Point at 25 all. A mistake by Boyd Cordner in the fourth minute of Golden Point handed Melbourne the opportunity to ice a remarkable win with a Cameron Smith, with Cameron Smith who stepped up to kick the penalty goal after a Jake Friend had pushed Dale Finucane in front of the sticks, and they end up winning 27-25. Well, thoughts on this, Fifey? Mate, I, I sent you an inbox. I said uh, 10 minutes ago, Storm are gone. And the only reason why I said that for is because Roosters generally close games out better than any. Look, there was a few uh, calls, I dare say, and we're going to be getting through to more of them throughout the uh, the round. <coughs> but, um, look, did Brandon Smith knock on? Some would say yes. His fingers, no matter how how low you want to slow the bloody footage down, fingers never left the ball. You can't, you can't say, oh yeah, you know he knocked that on. Melbourne Storm had a chap- captain's challenge up his sleeve, so you go and say yes or knock on. They go and do a captain's challenge. Yeah, it looks really dog shit, but he never takes his hands off the ball. Um, that's what a lot of um, <coughs> Rooster fans need to look at. Mate. What, what, what Rooster fans need to look at is you can't beat the Storm completing at 64%. They made, what, 18 errors. They, you know, didn't complete 12 of those sets. You know, Boyd Cordner made four errors in the second half and to let the Storm back into it. No team has ever won completing at just over 60% how, against the Storm. How stupid is... Um the Roosters, two two short kicks. Daniel Tupu, the tallest, the tallest winger on their side, he, he just bottled both of well, them. As as Andrew Voss calls him, he's a a giraffe with a Ferrari engine. Well, that Ferrari engine wasn't firing when he jumped up. And oh look, you know people were blowing up again about the penalty. Sorry, silly us if Winavalu never got a chance to to go up because he was taken out off the off off the ball. So look. There was a few things here and there, but overall, mate, I just want people to uh, 
just people not to blow up. Enjoy it for what it was, a mouth-watering game where 20-odd points were scored in the final 10 minutes. Yeah, it was a spectacle, mate. Let's move on to the first game on Friday. Yeah, so uh, the Raiders looked like they were in cruise control after compiling a 22 lead, a 22-0 lead midway through this, uh, into the first half of half break. But then the second half, um, Dragons scored three tries. Oh, scored, they scored three tries in the final quarter, which almost set it up to a, a grandstand finish. Uh, the mountain was uh, a bit too big to climb for the Dragons and end up 22-16. Won't go too much into this, but if the Dragons can put their first half performance against the Roosters with their second half performance against the Raiders and play a full 80 minutes, we might have a Dragons victory, mate. 100%. On the second game of Friday, it was a case of no Moses, no worries for Parramatta as skipper Clint Cutherson produced the near-perfect game in his 100th annual appearance who orchestrated a 42-4 win over the Cowboys at Bankwest Stadium. Blockbuster... Winger, Micah Seville. <laughs> you got that name right there today. You didn't get that name right on radio, did you? <laughs> not Rodrigo. Right, no. he, he had a field day, um, <laughs> scored scored four tries and and equaled um, Sammy Rodriguez's four, point, four tries in a game as well. Didn't get to beat um, Jamie Lyon. He did score five. But Gutho and Dylan, and Dylan Brown, you know, credit to them. Both had three try assists each. And congrats to Jay Field. He scored um, a try on club debut too. So um, we all thought, you know, I thought no Moses, they would struggle. But the way that, you know, Dylan Brown stepped up and the way that Gutho played, mate, instrumental. Yeah, Dylan Brown really um, had, his, he had his best game since making, debut, uh, making his debut last year. Now, if we rewind the clock a year back, he played his round one against Penrith. Came out blistering, and then the next week goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I want a million-dollar contract. But then he goes and hurts his back and was out for the most part of the year. This was a far better performance than his debut when he when he um, debuted against Penrith. And if he keeps going down this form, well, then, yeah, he might be able to warrant those numbers. I'm, all, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of giving out million-dollar contracts to young kids. Just... Because of the fact um, you got to earn it. You know, a million-dollar contract shouldn't be going out to 20-year-olds. A million-dollar contract should be going out to 26-year-olds, 27-year-olds who's had five, six years of experience and playing week-in, week-out football. You know, someone like a Teddy. So, look, he was good. Very, very clinical. Stepped up without Moses there. And, yeah, Jay Field... Um, if he plays pretty good this week and next week, it's going to be a headache where you where you fit him because he's he's showing that he should be there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, like you got Dylan Brown and Moses. What Brown's what nineteen twenty, Moses twenty two twenty three. Um, can't re- I can't he wouldn't be much older than that. You look at they keep them two together. They're they're half partners for five plus years minimum at the moment. And that's that spine, and you got Mahoney. Was he nineteen? So that spine could be together for the next ten years. When you think about it, too. So they're building something nice there at Parramatta, even though it uh, hates me to say that. Thirty-four years since Kenny and Sturlow. So <coughs> could look. It's been a long time since Parramatta have found halves that can match Kenny and Sturlow. 
Uh, look, we you know we were we were around probably for the back end of their career, but their dominance was in the early part of the eighties, and you know they had four four grand finals in six years or something. So, look, Parramatta are looking really good. A lot of fans are out of the woodwork. I haven't seen that much Parramatta toilet paper around the shops in a long time. So, look, it's good. You know, new stadium. They're doing really good, mate. It's um it's looking good. We'll move on. Uh, Saturday, mate, the the main game that we liked at the Saturday was the Tigers and the Panthers because we were there. But there was two games beforehand as well. So the class playmaker, Sean Johnson, was enough to lead the Sharks to a 40-10 to 10 win over the hapless Titans on Saturday after fullback Matt Morland once again has hurt his hamstring. Six, six to ten weeks again for, for Moylan. Those soft tissue injuries, they get him, don't they? <laughs> Mate, uh, how, many black sh- how many black cats has he ran over? <laughs> well, he was due to come up against Trent Merrin in a couple of weeks' time, wasn't he? <laughs> we'll move <laughs> on to the Warriors as well, eh? Gutsy Warriors hand Brisbane their sixth straight loss after blowing a half-time lead to the Warriors, who came back to win 26-16. Now, we were watching this up in the... Uh, the corporate box for the uh, the Tigers and the Panthers match, mate. And one of our new sponsors, good old Damien from Sonali. If you guys want some good jersey apparel and uh, field apparel for your rugby league team, head to Sonali, get them to give you an, a mad deal on the jerseys and your, your club polos and training shirts. He does Mickey Mouse uh, greatness with his stuff. But, yeah, he's a Bronco fan, mate. <coughs> He walked in, he's like, oh, yes, yes, Broncos are up, Broncos are up. So we all just sat there and kept putting it into him when the Warriors kept coming back. I think he ended up jumping on the Tigers, boss, and that didn't help too good either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he's filthy with Seabold. Um, <laughs> great we'll, great coach, Seabold, eh? Great, great coach. coach. We'll move on to the blockbuster on Saturday night. Penrith coach Ivan Cleary blew kisses at West Tigers fans. I was blowing kisses too. At full time after fullback Dylan Edwards gained the last laugh of his opposition when he scored the match-winning try in a fiery encounter at Bankwest Stadium. Um, Joey Leilua, send off 10 minutes (laughs) in the bin. Do you think the refs refs got it right with four weeks and just being the sin bin? Well, the refs don't uh, determine that. The match review committee does. Now, originally on the night... And this is obviously through Panther, Panther um, eyes and, and ten beers. <laughs> come on, mate! I lost count after fifteen. <laughs> it's a it's a corporate box. Thank you very much to David from um, Victor Sports. And yeah, now it was I was a very how you going? And I blew up. I came running out of the box, calling him everything under the sun. It didn't look good from our. Our view, which is what the view of the majority that would have seen on the TV. There was, however, a photo surfacing on Sunday where it took a photo, it took the shot from the other angle. Now, from this angle, it looks like a full-on stiff arm. See you later for 16 weeks. However, the back side, the other photo, actually shows his hand bent and his his hand his um hands actually open not closed <coughs> so that then coupled in with 
and the penalty was blown and the brouhaha happened, Dylan Edwards jumped up like, well, I was just hit by a box of tissues. That's how he jumped up. Um, <coughs> so all those circumstances put together, four weeks is probably, you know, it was, it was malicious. It was not to the person with the ball in his hand. The ball was actually a metre and a half to the left and back in the field of play. Um, should he have done it? Well, no. Was he fired up? Probably because his brother got hurt earlier in the game. However, <coughs> I would have been more happier and it would have looked a bit more better had he blew up and done what he did a set or two after his brother was laying flat on the ground. The fact that this happened 25 minutes down there and that some Tigers fans were saying, oh, it's because of his brother was taking out this and that. Sorry. You know, as much as you've got emotion and that in the game, 25 minutes down the, down the track after your brother's gone off, who's been cleared to play this week, you know, um, it just doesn't, you know, he, he has these brain snaps where that goes and, and sh- the Joey Lelou revolt. He's a good player if he can keep his head on. Yeah, without a doubt, he he just doesn't he doesn't think sometimes. But he says he's going to come back a better player. So hopefully he has that four weeks to um to trim down and um get his butt into line. But we'll go on to oh to no, we'll keep talking about his game, mate. It was a great night. We all <laughs> we, we had our we had, love it. had us with twenty six of our guests. Um, took our wives along. How did you go, my mate? I, I hear it was your anniversary on that actual day. How did you? Manage to get your lovely partner to the game. <coughs> oh, I just have to look after the sponsor, remember? <laughs> nah, it's once you get through a couple of years of marriage, it just seems like it's another day now. And this is like Christmas after you find out Santa Claus is not real. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, no one under the age of 10 listens to our podcast, mate. Otherwise, you'd be in a bit of shite. A lot of parents will be coming after you. Um, yeah, so, yeah, look, it was good. Um, I liked it after. I liked it because there was only 5,000 people there. So when we yelled out from the box, could hear it. Um, so we yelled out to Tyro May afterwards. And uh, he looked up and saw us and saw us with a few full beers in our hands. So he asked us to scull them and, you know, we did, we obliged. Uh, I think your mate Alex sculled and then I sculled mine as well. And then, yeah, we'll just stand there calling out to all the boys who are coming up through. Um, and then, yeah, you know, and the last one, which was a good one, was Kiko and Appy. We were up at the Fox Sports microphone and we were yelling out to him. And obviously there was a photo taken off Fox Sports where they were waiting for us and he was smiling back down towards our way. So, well, that was a good night, mate. Um, yeah, without that, just speaking about Tyro May, it was good to see him... Um, <laughs> Back out there playing, he's had some some off field issues and some 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 bullshit to to deal with over well, his short career. Hundred percent, he has. But um, the, the the caution here, and it doesn't seem to want to um, work with the younger kids in coming through the grade, especially out of Penrith. You know, Nathan Cleary. You've got one mate that's come through with you through the grades he's sitting out potentially not going to come back and this was in Tyrone May at the time so what does he do I'll go make a TikTok video your phone although it's a great tool is also the devil if it's in the wrong hands and people are out there just to make um, rugby league players and all the other sportsmen's life a living hell 
should get into the wrong hands. But yes, look, Tyrone May, he finally came back. Um, it was awesome to see him out there again. It just makes Cleary's headache a bit more harder. You've got Nathan Cleary, you've got Jerome Luai, you've got Matt Burton, you've got Tyrone May. All halves. Now they're all vying for two spots on the field and a bench spot. Yeah, well, Tyrone May came on and he played the ball-playing lock position. He actually, he actually looked uh, quite well out there. He actually... The, the tactics paid off sort of thing. But teams will find that out anyway. They'll just run run big boys at him too. And, you know, he, he did make his tackles on the weekend, but try and, you know, try and make tackle after tackle and the and the likes of Melbourne and the Roosters, you know, keep throwing bodies at you. Can we move on to the Sunday now, mate? <laughs> oh, only because it's your bloody side <laughs> nah. who, who, who got away with a skin of a teeth battle. Anyway, the Pleader Knights team managed to hold off Manly 14-12 at Lotto Land. Dramatic scenes in the final seconds led to a Seagull player being sent off for the scent. Adam Fanua Blake had been arguing with referee Grant Atkins over the decision not to rule a penalty try to winger Tevita Funa on a full time. Newcastle have leapt into fourth spot while Manly have dropped out of the eight after being leapfrogged by the Sharks, who obviously um, yeah, got, got that spot in the eight due to their victory against the Titans. Now, before I throw it over to you, I'll put my two cents in. First and foremost, uh, the scent to a match official, no matter what it is, it's not on. <coughs> when are they going... <coughs> this is the fans. <coughs> and the, the dog next door seems to want to weigh in on the issue as well. Obviously, he thinks Manly fans are dog shit. <laughs> but um, when are fans going to hold their players accountable we, we, we're seeing that at the moment with the Broncos but again it still goes to the coach right a coach can only do so far same as the match official they re, they officiate within the rule book that they're given yes this rule book has changed this year with the um, you know the new six again rule but what what no one has failed to understand is that Grant Atkins put that up to the bunker as a potential penalty try, if not a professional foul. Now, Jared Maxwell, the bunker ref, has come back and said, it's neither, it's not a penalty try and it's not a penalty at all. Jared Maxwell is the one where he should be sitting out this week not doing anything in the bunker, but he won't. <coughs> He'll be there. Um, yeah, look, you've got to respect your match officials because... The human element is there. Now, do we go and do we go and blow up at Adam Fanua Blake's errors in the game? Do we go and blow up about his missed tackles? Nah, nah. Well, we'll back him. We'll back him all the way. We'll back him all the way. Oh, no, nah, there wasn't nothing said. Oh, you know, I put a post up about it saying that you know we were teaching kids to respect the officials, and here we go. We got a player in the NRL calling him an effing retard. Now, you know, some people said, oh, no, they won't go and do that. Well, you don't know that. Until you stand in the middle of the football field with a whistle in your hand being a referee at a junior rugby league game, watching it on watching the game on a Friday night or a Saturday night, hearing a player do something that's obviously wrong and then having that happen to you out in the field, you don't know what you're talking about. And people need to learn that 
without match officials, we don't have a game. What are you going to do? You're going to go and blood another young young fellow that you were yelling at last week on the sideline out of Penrith or at Manly. You're going to go, oh, yeah, we'll put him up into the NRL the next week. So, you know, look, he came out and apologised because he realised he stuffed up. But then there's reports there that he's gone on again in, in the tunnel. Um, mate, it was a sour, it was a sour, um, a sour thing to, uh, to end the game. However, you know, um, it was, it was what it was. Exactly. My opinion was, we shouldn't have got there in the first place. So, with 10 minutes to go, we got, Knights got a forward pass caught against them that wasn't forward, and then, the, then Manly got up the other end and cut scores underneath the post. So, if that, that's not caught a forward there, then we're not talking about that at the end, are we? Because Knights could have scored, could not scored, Melbourne, you know, Manly could have dropped the ball, um, and, and whatnot sort of thing. So, um, we'll go into the final game. So another devastating season in ending injury to Brent, uh, Braden Burns. He dislocated his um, kneecap, didn't he? Yeah, I've done that a couple of times. So it doesn't tickle. South Sydney won 26 to, uh, 26 to 10 over the Bulldogs. And also Adam Elliott dislocated his shoulder. So both players are gone for the season. i got four out of eight for the tips, mate. i got seven out of eight. Uh, Manly dropped. And let you down. I got Gutho for player of the week for me. 250 running meters, three try assists, and you add up all the other things that yeah that he would have done as well. So um, that's that's mine. Kyle Flanagan for me, mate. Um, he he had big boots to to fill when he when he um was you know given or got given the contract to go to the Roosters to back up after Cooper Cronk retiring. So far, mate, he's doing he's doing pretty good. <clears throat> it was a bit rusty the first two rounds, but coming out of COVID, he's done really good, mate. Um, we generally do a play of uh, you know a player of the week. I mean, yeah, no, not a player, a team of the week. But um, I think our team of the week is also going to uh, is going to go this week, and we're going to go with um, this. And our simply best moment isn't a team of the week, it's a game of the week. And it has to be the Melbourne Storm and the Roosters. Most of this game, if not all of this game, was played at an origin intensity level, mate. And look, to me, it's the best It's the best that we've had so far. It's a game of the year so far. And I don't think it'll be beaten as game of the year, except for when we come to grand final time. Exactly right, mate. It was a... It was a can't even put words words amongst it, mate. It was a great spectacle. And if, if if someone was watching rugby league for the first time and they saw that, they will think that our game is fucking awesome. Mate, our game is fucking awesome. And uh, the Americans have been watching for the last six weeks and they've been loving it. Stay tuned, guys. Uh, we've got Jamie Soward up next. G'day guys, if you want to use an electrician or an aircon, we suggest you guys use uh, Luke and Jakey from HQ Services Electrical and Aircon, they do great work don't they Dale? 
Yeah, they sure do, mate. They're 24 hours, seven, seven days a week service. They've got great workmanship, fully licensed professionals with a high-quality service. Yeah, mate, they're experts you can trust. They're Sydney-wide, and they are our one of our great sponsors. You can contact them on 1-800-954-403. Hit them up on Facebook. They're on the Facebook there, HQ, HQ Services, Electrical and Aircon. They're also on Instagram. Make sure you quote the hashtag TFW for 10% off. Yeah, 10% off or, or your you call-out fees off. I can't remember which one they've said. But either way, mate, get on there, get on board. They're the boys that you want to fix your electrical needs and especially your aircon when it's coming out of winter into summer and it's going to be a stinker. H&Q, experts you can trust. Here we are, guys. We've got Jamie. Jamie Sauer, um is joining us on the podcast uh, today. He played 216 NRL games for the Roosters, Dragons, and Panthers. And he also played, had a stint in the UK Super League. But none, none under less than he won a premiership in 2010. Welcome to the final. What's the mate? How are you going? Yeah, good. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on. That's all good, mate. Anytime. Mate, what are you doing with yourself these days now that you're retired? Are you busier than ever? Yeah, mate. Um, yeah, I've got uh, I've got a near two year old uh, Indiana, and then I've got another one on the way. So I have another girl in a couple of months. But uh, combine that with all the footy action and, and working at you know, different uh, situations at NRL.com, DGB, and then doing my own podcast. It's uh, it's pretty busy at the moment, but uh, I enjoy I enjoy watching the footy and spending time with my daughter. Yeah, that's the main thing. Family family first, isn't it, mate? Yeah, it is, mate. I've, um, you know, I, I had a kid later on in life, and I get the chance to appreciate all the stuff that she's learning and going through, and being her, um, I guess, you know, the person that she comes to when she, when she something goes wrong. So hopefully, it's always that way with a little girl. But um, no, I, I love spending time with her, and my wife and I are very lucky to be able to have, um, you know, Indiana in our lives, and hopefully, Ivy, everything goes well with Ivy. Awesome, terrible twos kicked in yet, mate, or what? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, nah, not yet. She's uh, she's a woman though. She's got plenty of sass. Um, takes after her mother, I think. There, but nah, she's got plenty of sass. And um, yeah, I, I I just love hanging out with her. I think she's yeah. I really appreciate uh, what the women go through for for putting their bodies through and stuff like that. So um, yeah, hopefully um, yeah everything goes well with Ivy. But I, yeah, I love um, spending time with Indiana. It's alright, mate. I got a seven-year-old girl. She, once she hits a terrible Tuesday, they don't stop. They just keep getting older and older. <laughs> <laughs> mate, tell us where did you start your rugby league uh, journey? Yeah, well, um, I mean, my dad played for every club in Canberra um, on the in A grade there, and he was a tough and rough sort of back row lock who fought everyone and you know, made a million tackles. So um, I was a pretty little halfback who didn't want to make too many tackles, but uh, yeah, played. Played since I was four, all the way up to 32, and um, in that scene I moved to Wagga when I was 11. So it was always in my blood that I wanted to play footy. It was just a matter of, you know, whether I was going to develop and get that chance later on in life to be able to, you know, fulfil that uh, NRL dream. Awesome. What was your first rugby league, junior rugby league club? Uh, I had played for Belconnen Sharks down in Canberra, and then played for Wagga Kangaroos, um, which is... Yeah, one of the most famous clubs in, in Wagga. Uh, one of those clubs that's been around forever. So, yeah, I was pretty lucky that I, I played for the Kangaroos. I enjoyed my time there. And, um, yeah, it would have been nice to, 
to play a few more first grade games there at a younger age. But um, yeah, I, I was happy. I had some really good coaches there that, that helped me through, and Steve McDonald, who played uh, NRL and played for, for country as well, and also Harry Power, the late Harry Power. You know, they were my two sort of mentors down there in Wagga. So I was pretty lucky to have good junior coaches um, before I made it uh, into the NRL. Uh, awesome. Both those clubs are actually pretty active on our page as well. They love our page, so it's good that it's good that you, know, you started down there at, um, in Belkinen and then obviously went further south uh, to to Wagga to to obviously you know learn your craft in terms of rugby league. Mate, uh, you know you moved on. Uh, you came through the Raiders system. How did you end up over the Roosters? Yeah, so I, was, I um, tried with the Raiders and got a, I mean, back, this is how old I am, we, we <laughs> sent a tape. Um, I sent a tape with a resume uh, to, to the Raiders, just, you know, what position I played and had a bit of a, a mixed tape there and got the trial there and played a season there, but under Michael Maguire, so another, you know, pretty well-renowned coach in the NRL, but um, they had Michael Dobson and Todd Carney down there in his lower grades and they had to make a decision to not re-sign me for, for as much. And um, my manager got me to the Roosters. I think I got 10 grand to move up to the Roosters. And uh, it was only really sort of to see how I went as a trial. And I just trained really hard um, to be able to, to make that team. And then Shane Flanagan picked me. And uh, in 2004, we, we won the comp undefeated. So it was a pretty good move in the end. Yeah, so you won the Jersey Flag Premiership. You kicked uh, what two f- two field goals at the end to, to get across the line. Who else was a part of that squad that's kicked on to the NRL? Yeah, it was Sam Perrett was. Uh, I mean, we were the Roosters had all three grades in that grand final. So you know, Sam Perrett was playing reserve grade. Isaiah Soliola was playing reserve grade. A lot of those guys that could have played with us were up in that reserve grade team that kicked on. So. Uh, we had Jermaine Ayo who played a couple of first grade games. Peter Taylor played for South Sydney. I think he played one or two games. So um, we were just a really good team. Uh, that just yeah, just gelled. Uh, Heath was strange is the other one, and he played won a premiership with Manly and and kicked on. So out of that team, probably me and uh, Heath were probably the most notable. But uh, we had a lot of guys there that sort of got one or two games and um, you yeah, know just couldn't break through. Mate, so obviously the following year in 2005, you got to make your NRL debut for the Roosters. Who did you come in for? Uh, oh, there was injuries. I think Brett Furman played the week before up at North Queensland. I was 18th man and uh, they got dropped um, after they got flogged up there. So I got called in. Uh, Ricky Stewart was in origin camp and said I was going to make my debut. And Gus sort of <laughs> trained me all week. So, um, yeah, I was pretty excited to be able to make my debut for for the Roosters and, uh, you know, I probably felt like I was ready and, you know, we're playing Newcastle on a Sunday afternoon. So it was, um, yeah, a long time coming. I felt like I, I wanted an opportunity in a team that was struggling that year. So, um, yeah, I was ready to go. Who yes. was your first phone call, bud? Sorry? Who was your first phone call once you found out you were debuting? Uh, yeah, Ricky, Ricky Stewart said not to tell anyone because he wanted it to be a surprise. So <laughs> I just called up. And I rang Mum straight away and told her. And uh, my mum and my grandparents yeah, and, my, and my stepdad were my biggest fans. So um, they they really supported me, and they were my whole support network and stuff. So there's a lot of emotions, but um, I had to quickly turn that up to to get ready to, to play because uh, you always 
got to remember your first, and I wanted it to be a good experience. Awesome. So, um, your father passed away six days before you debuted. Was um, how did you how did you take that? No, nah, he passed away the morning after. Oh, the so, morning after. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, did he get to see it, or you don't know? No, nah, I don't know. I, I sort of, um, you know, after mum and dad split, our relationship was, was there. Like, if I saw him in Canberra, I had time, you know, we always caught up and spoke a bit on the phone. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure whether he saw the last game. There's, you know, my, um, his partner at the time, you know, said that he went down and watched it. But, yeah, so it was um, a bit of a roller coaster. You know, the, probably the best day of my life, followed by the the saddest day of my life uh, the next morning when he had a heart attack. So, yeah, it was uh, definitely tough. Yeah, it would have been tough, mate. So, you got in 2007, you got uh, released to go to the Dragons. Did the Roosters try to move you on, or you just wanted a new challenge, mate? Uh, yeah, so Chris Anderson dropped me uh, back to a part time squad in 2007 and, you know, wanted me to work on team skills, which I didn't really understand at the time. And, um, you know, I played three months in reserve grade, <coughs> excuse me, three months in reserve grade and the Dragons needed a halfback. So I had a conversation with Nathan Brown down at Cronulla uh, Beach, just having a coffee there. And, you know, he said, would you come across if I could get across? And um, I said, yes. So I actually played first grade that week for the Roosters and we won 13-12 over the Sharkies. And I went to Wagga for a couple of days because my... One of my mates' old man passed away, so uh, the deal got done. But Chris Anderson rang me and asked me would I stay last minute. And, you know, I'd already agreed to terms at the Dragons and stuff like that. And this was, you know, I made that deal when I wasn't even in the first grade picture. So uh, it was probably the best move I, I made by by going to the Dragons. And um, yeah, I'm thankful that Nick Politis and the Roosters were able to to come to an agreement to let me go because without Nick. Uh, Uncle Nick, nothing happens at the Roosters, so I was <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty, pretty lucky that he said I could go and um, yeah, go out and, and fulfil uh, my first grade dreams at, at another club. Yeah, no, it's still the same now. <clears throat> in twenty twenty, mate, thirteen yeah. years down the road, Uncle Nick still <laughs> says jump, and everyone says how high. <laughs> mate, so two thousand and ten, you defeated your former side, the Roosters, in the grand final, uh, in the what was St George Illawarra's maiden grand final. Um, how did that make you feel? Was it a bittersweet feeling or was it um, just that revenge, obviously, you know, being you know, being dropped out of the yeah. full-time squad and then coming back and being that um, that curse back on the Roosters? Yeah, I never, like, I never wanted, you know, I wanted to stay at the Roosters, obviously. Um, when I went to the Dragons, I never felt any angst against the Roosters, obviously, because I knew that, um, Nick had, had made a decision to let me go rather than let me play in reserve grade uh, or come in and out of the team. So uh, when we won the title in 2010, I was well past it. I didn't have any grudges against the Roosters or anything like that. Um, I was so in the moment with the Dragons and the stuff that we were doing that uh, didn't really care what was going on around me, if that makes sense. So uh, to win that grand final was more... You know, just to shut everyone up that had ever doubted, you know, my ability to be able to perform in big games or my defence or anything like that. So um, it was a satisfying moment for me that I still appreciate to this day that the fact that, one, I got to play 
uh, in a grand final, but to, to be able to win it and uh, to have that ring and the tattoo and everything like that for the rest of my life is something that I, I very hold very highly in my, um, I guess, contribution to the game and, and uh, my uh, you know, ability to be able to perform at those levels is something that I'm very proud of. Yeah, without a doubt, mate. I, obviously, Wayne Bennett was down there and he coached you to 2010 Grand Final. What was he like as a mentor and how did he better uh, your game? Yeah, Wayne was fantastic. I mean, he was all about getting your life together off-field and, and making sure that, that was in place so that you could perform your best on-field. And, and that was something that he prided you know, his players on being good at and that's what we were. I mean, you know, when a the greatest coach of all time and wants to sit down and talk. You think it's going to be all about footy, but it was all about life. And he taught me, taught me a lot about myself that I probably didn't understand at the time because life was good, you know. We were winning games and I didn't think about myself. But later on in life now, and you know, I apply some of those stuff that he taught me about, you know, being patient and, and all that kind of stuff that you know, now I start to sort of see and understand what he was talking about. So he was a fantastic mentor that, is always a phone call away, and whenever you see him, you know we we always get to catch up and, and talk and stuff like that. But um, I don't think I ever really appreciated how much or how good he was for me personally, and and for footy wise until I left. Until he left, sorry. Just on Wayne, obviously he's coming to bat for Latrell Mitchell um, this year. Was he? He's obviously always like that. Um, was the again when when he was coaching you? Was the dressing room a sacred place? Where he tried to shield too much media from being allowed into to talk to you post game, win or lose. Yeah, look. The, firstly, the the Latrell thing. Um, yeah, what what fans don't realise is that you know they don't see what happens for the other ninety nine percent of a player's week, and they don't. To be honest, they don't really care. So, um, you know, for for someone like Latrell who's been in the media a lot this year and is a very family-orientated person who has a young family himself. Um, yeah, it, it can be daunting at times when we want so much of that person, but we don't understand how he's feeling the whole time. That's why I'm sympathetic to players, because having gone through it myself, where you, know, you go through a divorce and you're not playing well and you're dealing with other stuff outside it, you maybe you're drinking too much, you're punting too much, whatever else, um, fans are... You know, nonchalant at, at thinking that that should affect your performance when you know you might not be happy in life and you go out there and play and all they care about is the winning and losing and you know Wayne was very behind the scenes you know protective of players that you know, are going through stuff and I think what he did with Latrell is why everyone loves playing for him because you know the, the change room is a sacred place we understand that fans need um, you know exposure and, and want to know what's going on but yeah, you know, at times we need to be considerate to those people as well and realise that life outside the 80 minutes that you see me actually happens and I go through the same things that everyone else does. Mine's just heightened now because you want to be in my business. So, um, yeah, I, I loved what Wayne did, what, what Wayne did for Latrell and, you know, hopefully I think we've seen Latrell settle down into a bit of a rhythm now and he's one of my favourite players to watch and hopefully, um, you know, he can continue that when Wayne's not there. You know exactly right. <clears throat> That's what a lot of a lot of fans don't understand that or or don't care to bother is that a rugby league player, no matter a fringe player or a superstar, still have to eat, p 
piss, shit, do not do do the natural things that we all we all do on on a daily basis. Um, but again, they're expected to always be on their game. But unfortunately, as we just spoke about in our in our review, there's a human element to everyone. Everyone's not a robot. You know, you can't have match officials robots, and you can't have players as robots either. Mate, uh, after a great 2010 season, you were picked to play for New South Wales in 2011. Got any um, cheeky origin stories that you, you can talk about in in the camps? And how was it coming up against the um, Queensland dynasty? Yeah, it was... Um, well, I probably felt like I was ready in 2010. Um, I came close in 2009 to make my debut in origin. And once I finally got there, um, Wayne sort of said to me the first night in camp, which is usually a piss up, um, <laughs> don't get on the don't get on the pitch and, and, and enjoy it for what it is. So like I I think I had one or two beers um, but I didn't get to the point where everyone else was because I wanted to soak it up that yeah, this was the pinnacle of you know, Australia's at the pinnacle I, I feel, but this is the pinnacle in terms of you know, mid season, you're playing for your state, you know, this big thing, you know, that you've achieved. So, um, yeah, the, the stories out of origin were pretty much get on the piss and then for the first couple of days and then you train and then you knuckle down. But I'll never forget running out at Suncorp Stadium in, in front of a packed, packed house and the whole crowd just booing and me just, me just going off my head just screaming. I was like, yeah, I was just pumped to be there. I just knew that I had arrived on the stage and it was my turn to perform and uh, you know, we lose the series. We lost game one, 16, 12. We win game two, 18, 8. And then we lose game three, 34, 24. Um, against the Queensland side that whenever anyone asks me about origin, um, I just let them know that, you know, Cameron Smith passed the ball to Thurston. We passed it to Lockyer. We passed it to Greg Inglis. We may have passed it to Billy Slater, who possibly passed it to Cooper Croft, all in one team. So... <laughs> Um, I, I'm, I'm honoured to be able to play against those guys, but um, I probably didn't spare much of a chance, really, when uh, you think about that back line and, and what they had and, and how good they were. So uh, an amazing experience. I, I love playing Origin. I felt like I should have played a little bit more, but, uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty cool. Yes. Who gave you your, um, your first Blues jersey? Was it Bellamy? No. Um, so we got the chance to have family and, and my stepdad, uh, who's been uh, a real rock for my whole career and you know, stopped me from quitting the game a couple of times and stuff like that. Um, I, I just knew how much it meant to him, um, to the blue jersey growing up, how much it meant to him being a fan and I couldn't have asked anyone better to present me with that jersey than him and, um, I didn't tell him that he had to speak in front of everyone until he got there. So um, I set him up a bit, but he was yeah, he's, uh, he's pretty lucky. Uh, we're pretty lucky to have found each other because he's a big dragon fan as well. So uh, he's been there through the highs and lows, and I couldn't think of anyone better than to present me with my jersey than him. Awesome. Hey, fast forward three years after obviously debuting for um, New South Wales. You were highly criticised for the decline of the uh, Dragons form. How did you deal with that outside noise? As we all know, you know the media loves to um, make a, a storm out of a teacup. Um, yeah, so how did you deal with the pressure from the media and the outside noise, first of all? And then 
you know, how did you get yourself back into it after being dropped in New South Wales Cup? Yeah, look, um, yeah, the, working in the media now, I think that, yeah, there's a lot of um, stuff that you can read that if you believe everything that you read, you, you probably, you know, your vision starts to play as to, as to what the truth is. And, um, you know, I had gotten along fine with Stephen Price. Uh, I'd wanted an extension on my deal or a new contract uh, when I was off contract in 2013. And the club came back to me and offered me one year. Henrith offered me four. I went back to the club and said, are you sure that you can, you don't want to, you know, I wanted to stay. And they didn't want to keep me. So uh, that relationship soured pretty quickly. And probably the reason why I haven't been welcomed back um, by the Dragons for any of their old boys' days or anything like that. So, um, which is pretty sad considering when you win a premiership, you should be able to, you know, should get life tickets or two tickets for life pretty much anytime I want to go to Cogra. But anyway, um, well, it's, that, it's, that um, relationship sounds <laughs> pretty quickly. It's, it, it is, what, 10 years since you've won your, uh, the, the main um, premiership. So if they do an old boys this year, you, you want to hope that they're going to have the full 17. I, I, I'd be pretty pissed as a long time, if I was a long time Dragons fan, and they go, here you go, here's your 2010 maiden St. George Illawarra Premiership side. Oh, sorry, we're missing the 5 8 because we don't get on with him. That's pretty poor yeah. on the Dragon side. Yeah, oh, look, I mean, I sent out a tweet. The, the, the funny thing about social media is you can find anyone at any time, you know. So, 100% um, you can. I, they did a old boys' day and, you know, said they'd lost my address or whatever else for one time. And I think there's going to be a reunion later in the year and we understand COVID and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, this is, I'm the, I'm the, without blowing my own horn, I'm the current, you know, um, record holder for the for St. George of the Warren in terms of points scored. Uh, won a premiership there. You know, all I ever wanted was a lap of honour um, to be able to say thanks to the fans, not for my own vanity, but to be able to say thanks to the fans who rode that journey with us in 2010. And uh, I never got that. I was quickly pushed out of the club and I guess, you know, like the ex, you don't want to ring and talk to. You just hang up the phone and <laughs> you keep moving on. Keep moving on. So, why did you end up at the Panthers? Was it was Ivan Cleary a big influence, or how did that all how did that all unfold for yourself? Yeah, Gus is trying to rebuild the club. Uh, I think he was close to getting first, and uh, and he wanted someone to play outside him. He wasn't going to cost a million dollars, so um, I got the call, and uh, unfortunately that fell through. And then he was going to get Todd Carney, but that fell through as well. So um, I just was at the start of a rebuild in terms of my career and, and also um, the Panthers as well needed some experience out there in a kicking game. So I've signed four years out there and whilst it didn't work out, <clears throat> you know, when you go through shit off field and um, I would love to play four years out there, but, you know, I'd like to think that 2014 was pretty magical. We got to within the game in the grand final with a team that wasn't expected to sort of run in the top eight. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty magical out there, but it was more gut just getting me out there and knew what I could do. Yeah, no, I'm a Panther fan, so I rode that that 2014 pretty pretty far. Um, all the media from all reports, including the uh, great Joey, had had us pinned at 16th and no higher. So <clears throat> to go fourth, <laughs> did pretty good, um, mate. Obviously, you've played under some coaches. How did um, Ivan Cleary stack up as a coach? Yeah, I enjoyed my time under Ivan. I think, you know, when you come 
into camp. I mean, I went and did Kikoda with him. I went and did Kikoda trek with him um, the first week I was at the club. And, you know, I'd come back from England. I was overweight and, you know, the motivation not always there in November as, as heightened as it should be when it is in March, you know, when you're getting ready to play. So um, I really got along well with Ivan. Uh, his coaching methods were, you know, very much player-orientated. But, you know, in terms of, I mean, once you have Wayne Bennett, you know, that's the best you're going to have. You sort of can find yourself comparing other coaches to that. So I enjoyed my time under Ivan. I think he's very intelligent uh, with, in terms of his game plans and stuff like that. And he was able to get the best out of that squad uh, week after week in 2014. Do you, uh, speaking about Ivan, do you think he's the right man for the job out there at Pender at the moment? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's a unique situation because his son, you know, on a million dollars and the main player at that group. So, you know, if you're going to have um, the, the dad coaching, it needs to be the right person. And Ivan's got good success with younger guys. Um, but like every every coach and every coach's position, it's always under threat by the will to succeed and by the fans' power to want it to succeed. So um, I look at the Penrith Panthers independently and I think that Mason Series is his fifth year. He's been to three final series now and they've only gotten to the second week of those finals. So there's some pressure starting to build on uh, he and, and that group to be able to deliver past that second week of the finals. Have you have you liked his game this year since he came back from obviously his COVID suspension? Yeah, I have. I think the first couple of weeks uh, saw a real not lack of maturity, but a willing a lack of willingness to be able to invest in in future sets. So, yeah, if it's the fifth minute and they're attacking the line or they're fifty out, and instead of putting a kick in early and, and trying to keep that momentum for the next five minutes. They play out their set, just turn over possession. Whereas the last three weeks, we've seen a real maturity from Nathan Cleary about kicking to a corner early, allowing Jerome Luai to do his thing on his side rather than trying to baby him all the time. So I think that Penrith are built nicely. Um, I love the fact that Happy Coruscant has come to the club and they're not trying to make Dylan Edwards the ball player. They're actually just making him support the ball. I still think that their attack can get better around really on the kick out, but uh, in all in all, the, the Panthers are one of the hottest teams in the comp. Yeah, no, exactly they are. And uh, as a Panther fan, I'm 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 highly excited about how how their prospects can uh, eventuate this year. And um, mate, there could be another clear at the club in a couple of years' time. They got their younger younger uh, younger brother Nathan Jet coming through, and he's also <clears throat> I think he's in the halves as well. So you could have a Cleary Cleary halves with a Cleary coach. So it's looking good for the Clearys and Penrith, <laughs> mate. Uh, <laughs> Gus Guild, what's he like as a person? And then obviously as a professional, because a lot of people don't get to see the Gus off the camera. They, they see Gus on the camera and they think he's a total tool because of some of the stuff he comes out with in commentary. But Gus off the camera is a very intelligent, smart man, isn't he, Jamie? Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think, you know, like I said, working in the media now, we can often judge people because they don't like our team or, you know, they ravage our team and attack and we're like, oh, that guy's a wanker. So, um, yeah, I, I really love my time with Gus. I think he really helped me on and off the field. I love being able to talk to him about footy, but also about life. And uh, he, along with Wayne, helped shape me you know, to where I am now today. So um, the people that the, the times that we see people on TV, 
um, you know, we have to realise that everyone's got a job to do and you know, this is what I try and explain to people now and why Twitter's sometimes frustrating because people just judge you for exactly how you've been on TV when they don't understand the circumstances. You know, if everyone was the same and everyone lost every team, would you read every column every week? No, you wouldn't. So um, I, I really respect Gus and what he's been able to do in the rugby league with this game. And also, um, you know, what he's been done, obviously what he's done in his media career as well. Does he replace um, Toddy as, as the NRL CEO? <laughs> oh, I don't think so. I think Andrew Abdo is doing a, a pretty good job at the moment, you know, to be able to get the game back in such a, a you know, a pandemic situation, you know, those guys have been fantastic. They'll probably get first up with Jimmy. I don't have Gus wants to do it either. I think he's happy, you know, being. He doesn't sleep much as it is. But I think uh, if he got the CEO job, he probably wouldn't sleep at all. <laughs> That's probably right. So you got you got to play um, some some in, Indigenous All Stars games. So um, who's the Indigenous? Where's the Indigenous side come out on in your family? And uh, what what did you learn about your people in those camps with the like of like JT and and all them? Yeah, so Dad was Aboriginal. Um, so I remember my first camp. Um, I walked in and obviously sit down with some of the with the lads and, and hear about their stories and stuff like that and. I said to the guy who was running the, the course that I'm only one um, one eight Aboriginal, and he said, "Well, he said, well, listen here, bud. Coffee's coffee, no matter how much milk you put in it." <laughs> so um, I've used that forever, um, yeah, for the last eleven years. And people question my Aboriginality and stuff like that. But no, Dad was um, yeah, Aboriginal, and uh, going into those camps, you know, once he passed away, I sort of. You know, there's some stuff happened behind the scenes, lost touch with my family and, and that side of the family. And, um, you know, I've never once said that I'm not Aboriginal. I just probably don't know as much about the heritage or you know, his family as much as what I could know. Uh, but, you know, I'll always pass on the fact that my daughter's you know, Indigenous and um, that, you know, we, we're not ashamed to be Aboriginal. So um, you go into those camps and I roomed, actually roomed with JT, uh, the very first camp because Neil Henry was coach at Wayne and Neil talked all the time and I thought it'd be good for my um, yeah, career to be able to room with him. <coughs> so I room with JT and first night we all get on the fish and um, I woke up to JT on my shoulder saying, Oi, bud, Oi, bud, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I woke up. I was like, oh, man, what's wrong? And he goes, you're on my bed. And I said, oh, sorry, mate. And he goes, why are you nude? <laughs> I, went, I didn't know what to say. I just woke up and I went to jump in my bed. So I felt, you know, first night meeting JT, I was that nervous. I got pissed and passed out on his bed nude with my ass in the air. So, <laughs> um, next day, it was a long day because he told everyone. <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> did, you, did, you learn, did you learn his laugh by the end of the, week, uh, end of the camp? <laughs> He's, um... It was, honestly, it was an amazing camp because, you know, so many guys that I'd dreamed, oh, I'd watched play footy and dreamed of playing with. And, um, yeah, GI didn't play that year. I think Hodge was out as well. But I was lucky enough to play with GI, and it was nice to see what those guys are like just around training. Like, you know, when do they switch on? How do they switch on? Um, you know, Jono was 
the ultimate professional. As soon as those boots came on, but when they came off, he, he learned how to switch off and manage that kind of balance in life, which made it so good. So I, I love I love the Indigenous camp. So it was really, um, you know, it was really good for my um, development as a player, but also really good for my soul that I, I heard stories about how passionate those guys were about, you know, the stories of where they've come from and their people and stuff like that. So it was really good. Mate, who's the best player that you've uh, played with and then obviously the best player that you've played against, which obviously to play against you probably wishing that they weren't playing against you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I played with JT and, and GI in the All-Stars, but if you're talking longer than one or two games, I, I think Brett Morris. Um, and still, yeah. going, still going strong today. Yeah, still going strong, but just the... Yeah, he's just a freak. Like, everyone forgets that he started 2009 in the reserve grade and because we had Wendell Saylor and Jason Nightingale. And he went on, he came back in after Adele got injured and I think he went on to score something like 45 or 50 tries in two years. Like, it was just ridiculous um, how, how good he is. And, and the way he's been able to reinvent himself at the Roosters, so definitely playing with him. Um, I think he's the best winner of all time in any era. Uh, playing against, uh, you know, you play against those guys. I've said the Queensland team, but probably Cameron Smith, just the way that he um, was able to manage the game. And then on the flip side of that, Jonathan Thurston's competitiveness is something that I always strive to have into my game. So um, you always, when you throw the CB and someone scored a try, John I was trying to either stop that try or stop from getting under the post. He was just an ultimate competitor. So. Definitely those guys. Just on Cameron Smith, do you think there's going to be anyone that comes in the near future that's going to be able to match his 400 and I think it's 21 games he's had now? No, I don't think so. Um, I think Jason Croak will break his record for points down in Canberra uh, if he continues to go up the click that he's at. But what he's been able to do, Cameron, is, you know, like I said with Brett, they've, they've reinvent themselves with different players. I mean, when Cooper Cronk left the Melbourne Storm, it was going to be, can they do it without Cooper Cronk? Well, they got to a grand final, uh, unfortunately, or close to a grand final. Billy Slater retires, can they do it without Billy? Well, they get to within one game of the grand final. Like, this is not a fluke what they're doing, and it's centered around one guy. So, um, yeah, Cameron, yeah, he's the greatest player of all time, and we all love to hate him, but I think the the purists understand how bloody good he is. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, biggest pests, mate, on and off the field? You probably play with a few, so just give us some of those <laughs> those pest stories. <laughs> yeah, Wendell. Wendell, definitely. Uh, <laughs> with or against? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, it just, well, I mean, at Michael Ennis against, he was into me every time. And, but Wendell, you know, in your own team, you he just, he just doesn't have an off button, so <laughs> it, becomes, it becomes tedious at times. But no, I, I love I love Wendell. I still talk to him to to this day. So um, he basically yeah, he can be a pest. Toughest player to play with and against. Big pardon. Toughest player to play with, and then also play against. Uh, um, both Scott, toughest player I played with. He and he and Jeremy Smith were. An integral part of that 2010 physicality side of things, um, and then played against. 
I was lucky enough to play against Petro Sivanasiva in my first game for George Illawarra, and he was just like a rock. So um, probably your listeners will probably think I'd, everyone I played against who ran over me is probably pretty <laughs> tough. But, um, I was going to say maybe GI put you in Rosette a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. The thing with GI, though, is... Um, that massive fend. Yeah, but, like, I don't... You know, the people that have always bagged me about that... Um, yeah, it's easy. I could always say, well, you never played the game, you know, but I don't know what else I was supposed to do there. Like, he's coming across, he's 105 kilos, he's got a fend, he's got everything. And, yeah, forever and a day, I'm going to be on that man's highlight. So my kids, 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 kids are going to see um, their great, great, great granddad get pushed off by GI. So it actually works out great for me. Look, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't see it that way, do they? They don't realise that, oh, yeah, okay, I'm on the end of that, but, hey, I'm going to be on the highlight reel a lot longer than what you guys are going to be in the game of rugby league. <laughs> 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 Mate, um, yeah, tell us, well, talk to us about your, your goal-kicking um, action and your ritual that goes through it because for one or two years, I, I can guarantee you, I've got footage of my boy doing the exact same thing as you. He do his do your little step back, and then your little round, and then you march, and then he come in. Um, he didn't quite a, um, get it effective as, as enough as you did, but yeah, tell us how how you came about with your kicking um, action in in leading up to kick a goal. Yeah, I just. Um I wasn't kicking great, and I did a session with now the, the soccer roost coach, now Graham Arnold, and um, it was at Cogra, and he explained some few things to me about squaring my shoulders off and running into the ball. And I don't know where the march came about, but um, I've got OCD, so once it sort of worked for me, I just stuck with it. Um, and yeah, I didn't really, I didn't take it to Penrith, uh, so I just sort of left it at Dragons, but. Everyone thinks it's a, a good story behind it, but it's not a, not actually that good a story. It's just uh, did, did something. It's like a golf swing. If you do something and hit the ball well, you try and hit the ball well the next time with that, that same routine. And uh, for me, it worked at the Dragons. Yeah, yeah it's well, sorry about that. Dale. I was cutting you off. Yeah, because like, I, t- I coach as well, so I, t- I like to teach the boys that it's just a weird, a weird way of thinking about it. That the way you follow through. Is the is where the ball's going to end up, and it sounds stupid as you as you say it. But when the kids start doing it, and they start doing, it, you know, they get themselves into that rhythm, and then they're kicking it one after another after another. They tend to keep that same that same style until they start not kicking goals. It's weird how it comes about, doesn't it, Jamie? Yeah, well, like I said, you know, golfer has to swing over and over again the same way. It's just a different power. Um, to where how far he needs to hit the ball. So if I'm teaching, you know, young goal kickers, you're trying to square their shoulders off to where they want the ball to go. And um, the, the, probably the best piece of advice I got given early was uh, everyone wants to kick from the sideline, but the hardest kicks are actually in and around the post. So I teach my kids, you know, if you come and do a session with me, we don't go outside sort of that 10 uh, outside that post because we want the structure of what we're doing to be so repetitive um, that it's just automatic so that when you get out wide, you're not worried about anything else but your style. And um, I think that works Yeah, works for us. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, obviously, COVID, you know, stopped the competition and now we've come back. What do you think about this, um, the new six, six again rule, mate? Yeah, look, it's interesting. Um, 
I think we could tinker with it, but um, you know, if, if a team gets two in a row within sort of thirty seconds, I, I'd definitely like to see a penalty. But uh, we're seeing fatigue get brought back into the game. We're seeing little blo- little blokes start to dominate the game, which is what we want. Uh, and we're seeing you know the best teams win. So um, you know, I know it's frustrating for fans at times, but this is the new the new way and. If you look at the game overall, I don't think the game's been more attractive than what it has been the last sort of six weeks since it's come back. So I'd have to say that it's been a success. Well, mate, if we rewind six years and put put the new six again ruling when you're still playing, mate, you'd, you'd score a shitload of tries. That's for sure because the, the, game, the, the, the game, the way it is now, would suit you to a T. Just, you know, the, as you said, the forwards get tired. You can... Do your little step back in underneath because you you know you're a smaller fella. You'd love it right now. Yeah, if Dad only held on to it for five years. I'd be I'd be uh, in, in my prime at the moment, but he had to have to have me five years earlier, and um, I miss out on these rules. But yeah, it's something that you know the the younger generation is certainly going to benefit, especially if you're a littler fella and you know or, or girl. But you look at when kids come to you and they're smaller in stature, you know, this watching the game right now, you should be licking your lips at the fact that you can come in and dominate the game no matter what size. Yeah. Uh, mate, one of our fans uh, just asked us, um, did you take a dive against the dogs in 2009? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've told people, I've told people I, I've never, ever hid from the fact that um, I played up to the referee. Um, you know, the the job that night, uh, once I turned, oh, I still think it's a penalty, but once you, um, my job was to make the referee make a decision. And, you know, I got lucky that night, but, um, you know, I wouldn't like to risk it again. But I've told people forever that, you know, I played up to the referee and um, acted on, on that dive. Yeah. Well, we didn't go on inside shoulder, or outside shoulder, what do you want to call it these days? So, yeah, yeah you actually milked that one quite well. <laughs> Mate, uh, yeah, I did. Last question before we let you go, and thanks, uh, obviously, thanks for having you on. Who wins the twenty twenty grand final, and who's who's the loser? Um, I think the Roosters will be there. Um, they just do everything so much better than everyone else. They're professional. They've got the depth to be able to move guys around. Um, the only question about them is: is, is fatigue going to catch up with them towards the end of the year? Um, I, I like the look of Parramatta and Penrith. I think that they can really challenge whether they need a, a, a game, you know, an experience loss like that. So, um, you know, the old saying, you need to lose one to win one. Well, you know, do do they have to get there and have the um, motivation of defeat? You know, I think, you know, nine when we lost for the Dragons, that motivation of going out the back door, you know, nine really drove us into that preseason. So, uh, it'll be interesting to watch the development of both those sides of, of Power and Penrith. Melbourne are experienced. They're just going to be thereabouts and um, whether they can get it done in a big game. So if I had to uh, pick right now, I would love to see Roosters Para. I just think that would captivate the west of Sydney and also um, a couple of latte uh, drinkers over there in the east. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mate, we'd like to thank you for your uh, your time and your hospitality today, mate. Um and a best of uh, luck to all your endeavours uh, that you've got in 2020 with your podcast, uh, with your work with um, NRL 2GB, and obviously with your bubs that's on 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 her way to uh, Earth. I've actually got one coming 
four days before Christmas, I think. So it's it's, it's a busy, busy year, mate. And um, I'm I'm grateful that we were able to have forty odd minutes out of your time today to be able to talk to you about your career, mate. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, enjoy uh, coming on the podcast. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Take care. Yeah, thanks, Jamie Southfield, jumping on. How great was that, Fluffy? Mate, it was awesome. It was different. Obviously, we you know we've done all most of our other um our our interviews face to face. The only other one that we've done over the phone, I think, was the, the Welsh Wizard, Billy Forrester. A bit hard to get him from Wales. Even harder now under COVID. And uh, Josh Starling, you know, we, we got him on after a uh, a cold Oberon or Bathurst um, training session out there in, in uh, Group 10. So, yeah, look, it was good. It was different. Um, anytime talking to a former, former NRL player, it, it, it's good for you, you know, you get to get that little bit of an insight, some stories. You know, well, the biggest story now that was he was nude in Jonathan Thurston's bed. <laughs> what are you doing, bro? <laughs> <laughs> well, so well here preview round nine, mate. Almost halfway through the shortened season. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be twenty rounds. So yeah, we're almost there, mate. It it just flies. I'm loving footy. Ten days, remember this ten days? <laughs> ten days. Thursday night we have the Cowboys versus the Roosters. North Queensland are facing a daunting assignment in getting their season back on track when they host the back to back premiers. The Cowboys got smashed by the Eels last round, the Roosters got done in golden plate by the Melbourne Storm. For the Cowboys, um, they have some changes. Yeah, here we go, here we go. Mate, I want, before we go into the changes, I am going to work this out somehow so that you have the Tigers game. Yeah, the Warriors. I mean, I mean the Eels game. you got you got to do the Eels and Knights game. Up. I'm going to love it. Uh, so the Hammers at fullback, moving Valentine Holmes to the wing, recalling um, Lamulu. Lamulu goes to centre and Justin uh, O'Neill was injured and Opacek is the other one that drops out. Uh, Tom... Gilbert, he returns onto the bench in replace of Ruben Cotter, so he served a three-game suspension. For the Roosters, <laughs> Daniel Tupu's out for um, about six to eight weeks of ankle injury. Skipper Boyd Corden has been rested. Uh, Ryan Hall replaces Tupu on the wing, and Mitch Orbison comes into the back row. And the new person on the bench is Lachlan Lamb as a utility. Yeah, mate. Can I, mate, for the super coach punters out there who might want to get the new... Cowboys fullback. What's his last name? Did I might not be able to find him on <laughs> on there? Oh, I want to hear Fido. <laughs> Hamiso Tabuao Fido. The Hammer. We call him the Hammer, mate. You got to try to say it like um, Ray Warren. Tabuao Fido. Hamiso Tabuao Fido. Mate, look. If it's any time for the Cowboys who want to verse the Roosters, this round is the is the round. No Cordner. No Tupo. No Radley, no Verils. Um They're hampered there. In, no in Lou, f- what? no Lou. No, yeah, so no Isaac Lou as well. So look, they're hampered there. But then what do you do? Any side that has the Morris boys in there at the moment are a side that's going to be hard to beat. It's the uh, Morris El Grando uh, Fine Wine uh, Estate there. Uh, somewhere up in Hunter most likely will take that on. I've gone the Roosters. 
Yeah, I think the Roosters will be too strong. The Cowboys are too inconsistent for myself. I've, I had them in my eight this year, but I don't think they're going to make it. The next the next run of um, teams that they got is everyone that's in the eight. So good luck to them over the next couple of weeks. So moving on to the first Friday night game, mate. <coughs> yeah, this is... We get two whoopee cushion matches of the round this week. Two. I don't have the sound, but it's... No, brom, brom, brom. Just a... <laughs> Uh, Titans and the Warriors, mate. The Warriors gave Titan Payton his first win as a coach. I mean, the Warriors did. And the Titans last week failed to play for 80 minutes after leading at half time. So for the Titans, Corey Thompson returns to fullback with uh, Tremaine Spry. I get the good names, mate. To debut on the wing, and Tyrone Roberts is out. Sam Stone's caught up into the back row with uh, Bo for more switching to centre, and Tyrone Peachy back to the bench. Hopefully to give a bit of X Factor off the bench. Aaron Clark starts at hooker for Mitch Rain. For the Warriors, fullback and captain Roger Tuivasa Sheck has traded in his glasses on the sideline to come back after his one match suspension. With Peter Hiku shifting the centre and Gerard Buell dropping out of the 17. Chanel Harris defeater starts at 5 8 for Cody Nicarima, who's missing for a head knock. And Chaz Tavaga is back from injury to start on the bench. Carl Lawton's been named at lock. With Torres, Tahu Harris in the second row in a swap from where they played last week. Mate, in this match, who are you picking? I've picked the I picked the Warriors. I feel you know the the comeback victory over the Broncos will give them give them all the confidence. But you say that they win one week, they lose the next, or they win two and lose two. So it's hard to. I don't think I've ever picked the Warriors right this this season. So I feel I did. They'll pick. They'll be able to beat the Titans. So they'll knock off two Queenslanders in back to back. I picked them last week. Um, when everyone else kind of went against them, I picked them. Uh, look, yeah, I'm going to pick the Warriors too. Look, I've said it week in week out. The difference this year is that they don't have to fly in and out there <coughs> in the country. Moving on, mate. South and West Tigers. So the Rabbitohs are yet to truly hit their stride, and I don't think they're going to fully hit their stride at all this year. They're looking to string back-to-back wins together for the second time this season. I think coming away with the points, but West Tigers will have gained confidence from pushing Penrith all the way last round when Penrith were due to put 13-plus on them. For South, Braden Burns is out due to knee injury. A Bailey Sirenen will replace him on the bench. Tigers, Michael Chikan moves to the centre for the suspended Joey Alelua with Chris Lawrence called up onto the bench. Moses Mbai Nee, Luciano Alelua and Sam McIntyre, both head knocks, have all been named. Yes, they all got obviously past the HIA protocols during the week. They should be all sweet to go. Um, don't they have any other centres out there that can come in instead of playing the back row in the centre for the West Tigers? Well, no, because they're all the ones that have been dropped by <laughs> by Madge. I would have put Robert Jennings in there, or I could have <coughs> put Robert Jennings on the wing and move on the wingers that have been named into Tommy Talao in the centre. Yeah, yeah, you know that's what that's what I would have done. But again, I'm not getting paid the big bucks to be on the bus at the Tigers. I picked this. I picked South Sydney. I think they'll be too strong um, in this encounter. Look, as I just said, I don't think South are going to truly hit their stride at all this year but they should be able to account for the Tigers at Bankwest on Friday night. So, a pick south too. In the first game on Saturday, we have the Sharks versus the Panthers. Since losing to the Dragons in round five, the Sharks have quietly strung together three straight wins to get themselves back in finals contention. They put 40 on 
Manly a fortnight ago and racked up another 40 against the Titans. The loss to Matt Moylan after injury is will be a source of frustration for club, coach and player. The Panthers notched their sixth win of the season last week, uh, overcoming a stubborn West Tigers outfit to remain in the second spot. For the Sharks, obviously Moylan's out with hamstring injury. Dugan goes back to fullback. Bryson Goodwin goes to centre and Ronaldo Molotalo returns onto the wing. For the Panthers, Brian To'o is out for To'o months. And Dean Vare comes in at centre. And Brendan Nader goes to the wing. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, mate. You like that one? You're truly coming into the dad joke for aren't you, mate? I'm going to have to get my dad joke game up for that one. <laughs> Matt Moylan is fast becoming a player that could have, would have, should have, but didn't due to injury. Who did Penrith and Sharks exchange players? There was a player swap back a few years ago. Who was it? James Maloney, Matt Moylan. So who got the better into that deal? Um, Panthers did, even though James Maloney's now in Catalans and there was no premiership. One of one of two clubs for Mr. Maloney to not go to. And win premierships out. Can you can you guess the other one? Warriors. Exactly. He made a grand final for the Warriors at least. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, <coughs> mate, we'll get you to. Oh, I've picked the Panthers. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go against the Panthers. You picked the Panthers. Who are they playing? Sharks. Sharks. <laughs> yeah, I reckon. Um, yeah, the Sharks. Uh, was it the Panthers have got some some winnable games. I think the next three or four games have got everyone that are, that are behind them or quite down the bottom. So they're going on for they're going for Toto run at the moment. <laughs> They'll go for a very good run without Brian Toto. It's going to be a, a, a bad. Um, yeah, it's not so much the he, he he does a lot of a lot of run on there. It's it's more you know going to miss his miss his. Um, Celebration in the sheds after the win. Hey, that's uh, that's another thing. That's that's. Um, have we had the blow in the whistle moment yet? Not yet. After this, I actually thought another one. No, I might as well say it. But it's the it's um try celebration July. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me bring it. Let me bring it in. Let me bring it in. Got to bring it in. Hold up. <laughs> so it's not five feet. What's blowing your whistle? No, what's blowing your whistle today, Mike? Instead of dry July, it's bloody. Try celebration July, and there's been no try celebration. They're giving five sports better giving five grand per try celebration to the Men of the League Foundation. These NRL players need to pull their finger out of their ass and actually come up with some great posts. You know, some try celebrations. It's getting ridiculous. It's five grand. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. This is, this isn't a uh, we we ain't doing anything for sports because we're not real sports. But, but yes, there is the, there, the there is league. money for Men of the League, which. <laughs> Funny enough, we'll support them when they do retire, these boys that are playing now. Yeah, let's get some post-try celebrations out there. Um, I'm on to my third beer. I might do a post-try, a post-beer celebration post outside pod. after. Yeah, <laughs> mate, look, we're going to get you to do the next match, which is the <laughs> second match. That's a whoopee cushion match, the Broncos and Dogs. We'll get you to review this one. I'm just yeah I'm lying I'm lying no, no. you do this one <laughs> Broncos versus the dogs uh, things are things are not going great at the Broncos and what the, are dogs and the noise will just continue getting louder if they don't snap a six game losing streak another loss <laughs> for the Broncos and they'll be last as Canterbury will leapfrog them Canterbury always play their 
you know, play their asses off and they always turn up to play. So securing these two points to for the Broncos to finish last, the, it can't be any more sweeter for them to get the two points. For the Broncos, no changes. So this that's that's quite um that's quite, <coughs> that's quite rare. But for the dogs, obviously they lose uh, Adam Elliott out he's done his shoulder dislocated, so he's he's gonna have a Rico during the week. But you know, British recruit Luke Thompson is making his debut at lock, so it'll be interesting how another Pommy comes back in the NRL. It's strange. Yeah, I'm like it's good to send another Pommy there, Luke Thompson. Will um will do good and I, I guess off the back of um Luke Thompson I, I've tipped the dogs, but it's strange you know it came out yesterday oh look we, they're going to drop the big free money makers in Milford they're going to drop Boyd and I think the other one was they're going to drop Croft they're going to bring Deegan in they're going to bring Stags in they're going to bring someone else in in the centres none of that happened it was a big Pile of steaming shite in the reports yesterday. Nothing's changed. Bearden's on the bench. Sorry, put Bearden in the in the five eight until Boyd or or Milford or another big name that isn't performing gets dropped. This side will still continue to go south. Um, look, Milford just turned up for a paycheck. He knows that eight hundred fifty thousand or nine hundred thousand a year. He knows that. It's Boyd's last year. I don't give a crap if it's Boyd's last year. If he's not performing, see you later. Go be a ball boy on the sideline. If he wants to build that, you know, or he wants to build that side, he wants to have that culture of the Broncos, then it has to start now. 100% it does. You know, oh, yeah, your job's safe, says the CEO, but what what no one really understands is that at the moment the CEO finishes up this year and he's – there's nothing being said about if he's going on next year. So doesn't you know when a new CEO comes in, what's the new CEO going to do? All right, we're going to give you a six match chance. If you shit after six matches, we're going to piss you off. That's what the new CEO could do if Fisher does if if Fisher doesn't go ahead. You know, if the current CEO doesn't go ahead and says, "Yeah, no, I've, I've done my time. I'm happy. I'm going," a new CEO will come in, and naturally, the new CEO will look over and go. All right, this player's due to come off this year. This player's due to come off this year. This player's due to come off this year. Oh, and the coach had a shit year last year. All right, so these three players, you guys, you know, you want your contract? All right, you got to play for it. Oh, coach, you got a five-year contract, so you think you're safe? Nah, you got six matches to pull you, pull your head out of your ass, and get the side back into the top eight. What makes me laugh is <laughs> that the Broncos, you know, they look at the teams of old. Look at their nineties and look at their early two thousand sides. You know, great characters. Seabell doesn't want any of those old boys there. That's where he's gone wrong. I understand that he wants to he wants to have his own spill, but you still got to have you still got to have that that culture or that you know that buying of what the club was built on. Well, exactly, mate. You look at Sally. Sally hasn't been invited back to any old boys, and he's the um, <coughs> leading point scorer in the season, and also uh, the the five eight in the maiden twenty ten St George Illawarra um, premiership. You know, you want to have players that have played for the jersey, bled for the jersey, done crazy things for that jersey apart. you got Darren Lockyer on the board. Sorry, mate, Darren Lockyer, yeah, great, one of the greatest players ever to play the game. You're not an administrator. We got Corey Get pa- out of it. Corey Parker is one of the assistant coaches. He's too busy talking on Fox Sports. Like, what's going on out there? Well, maybe he's not in the bubble. Maybe he's been... Assistant coach, surely you're in the bubble. Depends on what type of assistant coach you are. Yeah, you know you've got two or three assistant coaches, so he may be an assistant coach, but he may be in that 
not in that bubble because they've had to reduce their staff. Um, <coughs> sorry, Darren Lockyer, mate, you're a commentator, you're not an administrator. Get out of there and get, get let someone else go in there. Moving on, mate, Raiders and the Storm. I actually haven't picked this. To get the who I'm going for yet. It's just too tight to pick. Uh, Raiders got Melbourne's measure 22-6 when they squared off in round three, <coughs> but their form have been que- has been questionable over the past month. Three losses in four games since beating the Storm. Canberra have held on, or well, they did hold on, sorry, for a narrow win against the Dragons last week, but it wasn't convincingly after they had a 22-0 lead and they let 16 points slip in. Now, Storm beat the back-to-back to Premiers last week and obviously will be out for revenge as I th- believe that game was down in Canberra. I mean, down in Melbourne, sorry. So, yeah. Uh, Sia Soliola, uh, he's got a facial fracture. And what a facial fracture that one is. Right across the snows, right over from side to side. 16 weeks. Mate, see you next year, bud. Emery, Emery Gula ankle, they're out with um, Dunamis Lou starting a prop and uh, alongside Josh Papali. And Kay O'Donnell will get his debut off the bench. Tuffany will start a lock with Ryan Sutton reverting to the bench. Jordan Rappenar takes uh, Curtis Scott's place on the interchange. No chirp there from Scott against his old side, thank God. Well, well Curtis Scott's gone from being one of the prize bloody recruits to being out of the 17, mate. Mounties, um, he could have been at Mounties in New South Wales Cup. Yeah, <laughs> Storm. Marion Seve replaces Sui, Suliasi of Vunavalu, who's tweaked his hamstring. A lot of hamstring injuries. Riley Jackson being named to start in the halves with Cameron Smith for hooker and Brendan Smith on the bench, but that could change again. Dale, look, like I said, I, mean, I haven't picked this one yet. I'm leaning towards the storm only after their win last week and obviously Raiders' dismal start. But again, it's down in GIO, the Viking clap, you know, a bit of Raiders fans down there. The bit of the chill factor because it's the snow time of the year. Mate, what do you got? I've picked the Storm. I feel that, you know, their form <laughs> has been outstanding. They're, they're building nicely, the Storm. Then again, you know, if the Raiders win, they'll be like, oh, we want to the Storm every week, don't we? <laughs> Mate, I've seen the trend that you've been doing. You've been going before the away team, except for the Broncos. Yeah, I did have the dogs, but I changed. I feel Broncos. Surely they're going to win this week. If they don't win this week, I'm not picking <laughs> for the rest of the season. Mate. I'll, I'll mark that down now. Mate, I'll, I'll, even, yeah. I'll even pick bloody the draw before I pick them. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> You're going to do uh, the Knights. Uh, oh. I wanted you to do your Knights, team, mate. I don't know why, because I've already seen it. I wanted to do the content. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you can do the Knights and the Eels, and let's see how you go with uh, Stefano's last name. And you've got to try to pronounce it, mate, because he is making his debut, so you've got to get his full name out. So- Over to you. Sunday nights versus Eels, and it's not at it's not at Newcastle. It's bloody the Central Coast again. No, Bush, no, no. It's at McDonald Jones. No, it came the, out, didn't did they? it? Yeah, it oh. came out. They're at McDonald Jones. Adam, Adam O'Brien's pumped. It's at McDonald Jones Stadium, mate. Well, they haven't changed the app. It's don't look on the app. You look on the NRL website. There you go, guys, <laughs> ladies and gents. Do not look at the app when you're doing your content. <laughs> <laughs> 
Parramatta deserve their spot at the top of the table, obviously. But the fourth place, Newcastle, um, have been, you know, they've been there, thereabouts. And both sides look like they're going to probably play in finals this year. What oh, shit. Are you, oh, <laughs> finals is, footy. Finals is, footy, I said. Is that why you've got your Knights polo for? Because of the finals <laughs> footy, mate. Yeah, you, you gone and said, oh. I'm going to lift a tag on it. I'm just going to take it back. <laughs> Cass, I need a night. I need a. I need a Knights jersey or a Knights polo because I'm doing a rugby league show and I come in me soccer stuff. <laughs> and now you got it, and they're going to make the finals, mate. You should have brought it four years ago. You would have made the finals then. <laughs> For the Knights, uh, Edric Lee broke his arm again. He probably won't be back. He broke that again last. Uh, same bone again as he did last year. So he's out for quite a while. Oh, does that mean when he comes back, he can do the Mal Meninga forearm probably. cover? Mate, I have been waiting for someone to come back with a Mal Meninga cover. Tex Hoy um, goes to the wing. Sione Matatia is uh, out due to a head knock, stuffed against Manly. Aiden Guerra starts in the back row. Haven't, haven't we, haven't the Knights got the three best names in the comp? All right, we've got Tex Hoy, Bradman Best, and guess what this one is? Star Toa. Mate, the three best names in the comp. If you're going to give out a Cavani Awards, it goes to Newcastle Knights every week. Anyway, oh, start. For picking, <laughs> for picking a, oblivious names, names that you've never heard before. Star Tower and uh, Brody Jones are the new people on the bench. Here we go, ladies and gents. The Eels have made some changes and Dale is going to run through them bit by bit, step <laughs> by step. For the Eels, Nathan Brown returns from suspension at lock. Pushy Matsuhora Nakore. Murata. Murata Nakore <laughs> to the bench. Stefano. Ukat Kumanu, Ukatamanu. <laughs> yeah, so it's Uto, it's Uto Kumanu. Debuts off the bench with Ray Stones and Organ Kafusi out, <laughs> out of the team. <laughs> Mate, we got to get you commentating a Warriors game or something. Can you imagine? Yeah, can you imagine the commentator? Who, I haven't a, picked the para. It's a four, it's a four o'clock game too on so, Sunday. That means the, the, the great, the one and only Rabs Warren's going to have a chance to imagine that he, he makes a break because he is a monster. This is the kid that has been signed and snapped up by the Tigers for next year. Um, they had him on a development contract last year, Parramatta, and they were going to push him to play a few games this year. But he's already signed to go to the Tigers. So all you Tiger fans, watch this game with intent because this Stefano kid is a beast. Mate, did I just hear you correctly when you just kind of snuck that under there when I was giving you a jib about <laughs> names? I'm going to give you a jib about not picking your team. I'm 23 behind. Mate. The leader. You've got to have but, a faith. You know, as George oh, Michael says, you've got to have faith. Oh, I just picked the Knights thing because everyone else will pick Eels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've picked the Eels. <laughs> Move on, mate. Now the last game of the week. The Dragons versus Manly. Dragons fall back from 22 nil down. And uh, with three late tries to give themselves a sniff. And they'll be intent on carrying that momentum into their clash with the Manly to give themselves every chance of notching their third win for 2020. Manly find themselves outside the eight after a frustrating loss to the Knights at Brookie. And with their defence, you know, looking its old self after an uncharistic. I ain't saying that word, mate. Why would you put that word in there? Uncharacteristic. Lee. Lee. Sloppy. <laughs> Dude, how Come many on. drinks do we generally have <laughs> when I do this pod? I'm oh, on to me fourth and there, I'm mate. trying to I'm trying to read a word here. Uncharacteristically sloppy showing against the sharks, but then the attack failed 
to fire against the uh, against the Knights in the absence with Tommy T. So for the Dragons, Tarek Sims is back from a wrist injury in the second row, pushing Terrell Fuyamano to the bench, and Corbin Sims back to the reserves. Oh, Paul Tarek, Tarek comes in and kicks his brother out of the side. How dare he? Ben Hunt becomes the $1.2 million hooker with Cameron McGuinness in the lock position and pushes that also pushes Trent Merrin back to the bench. Jordan Pereira has replaced Jason Saab on the wing and I feel that one there is a stupid move by Mary McGregor. But never again. I won't back him. Um, oh, I won't bag him, I should say, because I'm not in the coach's position. But I would have had Saab over Pereira any day of the week. Teniala Paseca starts... A prop for the suspended Adam Fanua Blake and Morgan Boyle is a new name that is appearing on the bench. Dale, thank you for shoving those shit words in there. <laughs> There's that laugh. <laughs> and then, um, who you got, bud? <laughs> uh, I picked Manly. They'll be filthy with their last fortnight performance. They get they let the Sharks put 40 on them and then they... They probably should have beat the Knights last week, to be fair, the way that they played. But they just, for me, they just didn't do enough with the ball in in the in their attacking twenty um, to get across the line. Plus, you know, no, don't take no credit away from from the Knights, whose defense was on point. Yeah, look, I've I've gone manly, but I feel if Dragons, like I said in like I said in the review, if Dragons were to put their first forty against Roosters with their second forty against the Raiders. They should put 13-plus on Manly. Let's be honest. Manly, are, you know, we, 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 spoke, look, we spoke about it last, week, last year. Without Tommy Turbo for the most part of the year, they still managed to end up fifth. This year, it's a totally different side without Tommy T. Why, why in 12 months, you know, with Tommy T being out again with another hamstring injury... He could be going down the same path of Matt Moylan as a coulda, woulda, shoulda, but injury failed him. Why is it a different manly side this year than it was last year? I don't, I, I don't get it, and I don't understand it. Um, look, let's just hope that um, manly turn up. Otherwise, they could become the laughing stock of NRL sides. If they would lose to the hapless dragons. Now, mate, that's it. it comes to the end of the show now, mate. Beautiful. No more stitch ups. Oh, mate, we can, <laughs> we can give you stitch ups. I can find stitch ups left, right, and centre. Lucky Trev's not here. What are we doing against one? <laughs> At the end of the day. No. <laughs> At the end of the day. <laughs> oh, stitch up for a Trev who's not here. Oh, shit. We better look out next time he's in. He'll be hunting, head hunting for stitch ups. 100% arms. I don't, there was not many arms this week. Was I don't know. No 100%ers? No, no, you haven't done 100% for a while, mate. Nah, just make sure when, when we go to radio, you don't name one player or another player that hasn't played for two years in the competition. <laughs> yeah, I'm just building it up, mate. Building it up. Who is it, Raj Roger or is it Sivo? All right, anyway, let's get back to it. End of the show. My mentions. <laughs> yeah, we'd like to uh, obviously uh, thank our sponsors, HQ Services Aircon. Oh, no, go back and do that again. HQ Services Electrical and Air Conditioning. Get the name right. PNS Dumpers, Sports Medals, Sonali, and Victor Sports for their continuous support 
Oh, mate, I'm loving Victor Sports. Davey Goldman, oh, mate, you're a champ. When are we going for our next corporate box, Davey? Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for more information, you can listen to our podcast on the Anchor app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your great podcasts from. And this is a great podcast if you love laughter. Hit us up on Facebook, uh, www.facebook.com forward slash the final whistle RL. Instagram handle is the final whistle underscore RL. Alternatively, you can email us on the final whistle RL at hotmail.com. Thank you all for listening. And it is 10 days as of Wednesday, the 8th of July, till we have Junior Rugby League again. We can't wait. Thank you. Let's go. <laughs> And that's the final whistle.